Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good evening and welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. Uh, This is going to be an episode I I was going to try to do morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, individual episodes, but uh, the way this weekend turned out and probably weekends going forward, um, I I think what I'm going to end up doing is just doing a communal weekend podcast and do all the readings. So it'll be double the verses, double the... um, excuse me, double the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The, uh, oh, I'm missing a prayer too. Uh, double the devotion and then the prayers. Um, so, uh, it'll be a little bit longer, probably not a lot longer, but a little bit longer, uh, this evening, but I just figured I'd go ahead and do that and do that. I'm doing it on a Sunday evening. I'm going to try to do it on Saturday evenings. Um, but with this being a long weekend, I do intend to put out tomorrow morning to put out, um, a, I guess it'll be a, the seventh episode, which will be Monday morning. But so this is for September 3rd and 4th. So Saturday and Sunday of this week. Um, and we are going to start first and I forgot to open these up. Um, so we're going to go ahead like we have every other day. We're going to go ahead and start with our prayers from the Valley of Vision. We're going to start first with resting on God. Um, so anyways, let's get going. O God, most high, most glorious, the thought of thine infinite serenity cheers me, for I am toiling and moiling, troubled and distressed. But thou art forever at perfect peace. Thy designs cause thee no fear or care of unfulfillment. They stand fast as the eternal hills. Thy power knows no bond, thy goodness no stint. Thou bringest order out of confusion, and my defeats are thy victories. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I come to thee as a sinner, with cares and sorrows, to leave every concern entirely to thee, every sin calling for Christ's precious blood. Revive deep spirituality in my heart. Let me live near to the great shepherd. Hear his voice, know its tones, follow its calls. Keep me from deception by causing me to abide in the truth, from harm by helping me to walk in the power of the Spirit. Give me intenser faith in the eternal verities, burning into me by experience the things I know. Let me never be ashamed of the truth of the gospel, that I may bear its reproach, vindicate it, see Jesus as its essence, know in it the power of the Spirit. Lord, help me, for I am often lukewarm and chill. Unbelief mars my confidence. Sin makes me forget thee. Let the weeds that grow in my soul be cut at their roots. Grant me to know that I truly live only when I live to thee, that all else is trifling. Thy presence alone can make me holy, devout, strong and happy abide in me gracious god and now grace and trials father of mercies hear me for jesus sake i am sinful even in my closest walk with thee it is of thy mercy i died not long ago thy grace has given me faith in the cross 
by which thou hast reconciled thyself to me and me to thee, drawing me by thy great love, reckoning me as innocent in Christ, though guilty in myself. Giver of all graces, I look to thee for strength to maintain them in me, for it is hard to practice what I believe. Strengthen me against temptations. My heart, excuse me, my heart is an unexhausted fountain of sin, a river of corruption since childhood days, flowing on in every pattern of behavior. Thou hast disarmed me of the means in which I trusted, and I have no strength but in thee. Thou alone canst hold back my evil ways, but without thy grace to sustain me, I fall. Satan's darts quickly inflame me, and the shield that should quench them easily drops from my hand. Empower me against his wiles and assaults. Keep me sensible of my weakness and of my dependence upon thy strength. Let every trial teach me more of thy peace, more of thy love. Thy Holy Spirit is given to increase thy graces, and I cannot preserve or improve them unless he works continually in me. May he confirm my trust in thy promised help, and let me walk humbly in dependence upon thee, for Jesus' sake. Excuse me, let me take a drink of coffee here. And yes, I'm drinking coffee before I go to bed. Um, it is actually decaf coffee. I've hit a point in my life where as much as I loved coffee in the Navy, which was where I started drinking coffee, I, uh, I, <laughs> my body won't take the caffeine anymore. Um, fortunately, I was able to find some place that had, had a wonderful, and I'm not, they're not a sponsor or anything, but uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company has a wonderful, it's called Just Decaf, that the flavor is just awesome. Um, so, and again, I'm not necessarily plugging them. I, any decaf is fine for me, but uh, I don't drink it as much as I used to. So we were, we'll go on. Like I said, we're going to do both morning prayers. So seventh day morning, God's good pleasure. That would have been Saturday morning's prayer. So we're going to do that. Seventh day morning is God's good pleasure. Sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and earth and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But, O oh God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so, and if we deny it, we make thee a liar. Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, eternal life. Thou art the inviting one. May we hearken to thee, the almighty instructor. Teach us to live to thee, the light dweller, inaccessible to man and angels, hiding thyself behind the elements of creation, but known to us in Jesus. Possess our minds with the grandeur of thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it, and in the enjoyment of it, nothing can make us miserable. Preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion. Enable us to remember what thou art and what we are, to recall thy holiness and our unworthiness. Help us to approach thee clothed with humility, for vanity, forwardness, insensibility, disorderly affection, backwardsness to duty, proneness to evil are in our hearts. Let us never forget thy patience, wisdom, power, faithfulness, care, and never cease to respond to thy invitations. And now the first day morning prayer, 
that's worship. And I, I admittedly, it's a little late. Um, it'd typically be better first thing this morning. Um, would have been first thing Sunday since Sunday is the first day of the week. But again, it's first day morning. It's called worship. Oh Lord, we would, we commune with thee every day, but weekdays are worldly days and secular concerns reduce heavenly impressions. We bless thee therefore for the day sacred to our souls when we can wait upon thee and be refreshed. We thank thee for the institutions of religion by use of which we draw near to thee and thou to us. We rejoice in another Lord's day when we call off our minds from the cares of the world and attend upon thee without distraction. Let our retirement be devout, our conversation edifying, our reading pious, our hearing profitable, that our souls may be quickened and elevated. We are going to the house of prayer, pour upon us the spirit of grace and supplication. We are going to the house of praise, awaken in us every grateful and cheerful emotion. We are going to the house of instruction, give testimony to the word preached, and glorify it in the hearts of all who hear. May it enlighten the ignorant, awaken the careless, reclaim the wandering, establish the weak, comfort the feeble-minded, make ready a people for their Lord. Be a sanctuary to all who cannot come. Forget not those who never come, and do thou bestow upon us benevolence towards our dependents, forgiveness towards our enemies, peaceableness towards our neighbors, openness towards our fellow Christians. Amen. And now the first of our uh, devotions. Again, I'm going to do the morning devotions um, like I did throughout the week. And I would recommend you do the evenings. And I realize this is late on Sunday, so you may have just gone past Saturday evenings. But so we're going to start first with morning, September 3rd, 2022 of Spurgeon's morning and evening. Uh, the, the verse for it is Song of Solomon 1.7. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? It is well to be able, without any if or but, to say of the Lord Jesus, Thou whom my soul loveth. Many can only say of Jesus that they hope they love him, they trust they love him, but only a poor and shallow experience will be content to stay here. No one ought to give any rest to his spirit Till he feels quite sure about a matter of such vital importance. We ought not to be satisfied with a superficial hope that Jesus loves us, and with a bare trust that we love him. The old saints did not generally speak with buts and ifs, and hopes and trusts, but they spoke positively and plainly. I know whom I have believed, saith Paul. I know that my Redeemer liveth, said Job. Get positive knowledge of your love of Jesus and be not satisfied till you can speak of your interest in him as a reality which you have made sure by having received the witness of the Holy Spirit and his seal upon your soul by faith. True love to Christ is in every case the Holy Spirit's work and must be wrought in the heart by him. He is the efficient cause of it, but the logical reason why we love Jesus lies in himself. Why do we love Jesus? because he first loved us. Why do we love Jesus? Because he gave himself for us. We have life through his death. We have peace through his blood. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Why do we love Jesus? Because of the excellency of his person. We are filled with a sense of his beauty, an admiration of his charms, 
a consciousness of his infinite perfection, his greatness, goodness, and loveliness in one resplendent ray combined to enchant the soul till it is so ravished that it exclaims, Yea, he is altogether lovely. Blessed love, blessed love this, a love which binds the heart with chains more soft than silk and yet more firm than adamant. And now, the September 4th, 2022 morning of Spurgeon's morning and evening. The verse for this is Mark 1, 41. And Jesus moved, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Primeval darkness heard the almighty fiat, light be, and straightway light was. And the word of the Lord Jesus is equal in majesty to that ancient word of power. Redemption, like creation, has its word of might. Jesus speaks, and it is done. Leprosy yielded to no human remedies, but it fled at once at the Lord's I will. The disease exhibited no hopeful signs or tokens of recovery. Nature contributed nothing to its own healing, but the unaided word affected the entire work on the spot and forever. The sinner is in a plight more miserable than the leper. Let him imitate his example and go to Jesus, beseeching him and kneeling down to him. Let him exercise what little faith he has, even though it should go no further than, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And there need be no doubt as to the result of this application. Jesus heals all who come and casts out none. And reading the narrative in which our morning's text occurs, it is worthy of devout notice that Jesus touched the leper. This unclean person had broken through the regulations of the ceremonial law and pressed into the house. But Jesus, so far from chiding him, broke through the law himself in order to meet him. He made an interchange with the leper. For while he cleansed him, he contracted by that touch a Levitical defilement. Even so, Jesus Christ was made sin for us, although in himself he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, that poor sinners would go to Jesus, believing in the power of his blessed substitutionary work, and they should soon learn the power of his gracious touch. That hand which multiplied the loaves, which saved sinking Peter, which upholds afflicted saints, which crowns believers, that same hand will touch every seeking sinner and in a moment make him clean. The love of Jesus is the source of salvation. He loves, he looks, he touches us, we live. All right, that is the end of our devotion. All right. And now we're going to start our reading. Again, I'm reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, uh, most recent um, translation of the Bible and the most literally accurate, um, texturally accurate, I should say. And so, like I said, we're going to combine the two plans and I'm just, I'm going to read uh, chapters consecutively instead of reading all the verses for one day and all the verses for the other. So what we're going to do first is we're going to read 1 Samuel 27 and 28. So 1 Samuel 27, then David said in his heart, now I will be swept away one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should utterly escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me any more in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. 
So David arose and crossed over, he and the six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, If now I have found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country, that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of days that, days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and raided the Jeshurites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites, for they were inhabitants of the land from ancient times, as you come to sure, even as far as the land of Egypt. And David struck the land, it did not leave a man or a woman alive. And he took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Where have you made a raid today? And David said, Against the Negev of Judah, and against the Negev of the Jeremelites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, saying, Lest they tell about us, saying, So has David done, and so has been his custom all the time he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has surely made himself odious among his people Israel. Therefore he will become my servant forever. Um, just a minute, I'm going to take another drink of coffee. Oh. 1 Samuel 28. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. And David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. So the Philistines gathered together and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. Saul saw the camp of the Philistines and was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. So Saul asked of Yahweh, but Yahweh did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim, Urim or by prophets. So Saul said to his servants, Speak for me, seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. Then Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall say to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Then Saul swore to her by Yahweh, saying, As Yahweh lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And the woman saw Samuel and cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, 
Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has turned away from me and no longer answers me, either by the hand of the prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since Yahweh has turned away from you and has become your adversary? So Yahweh has done accordingly as he spoke by my hand, for Yahweh has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. As you did not listen to the voice of Yahweh and did not execute his burning anger on Amalek, so Yahweh has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, Yahweh will also give over Israel, along with you, into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, Yahweh will give over the camp of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul quickly fell full length upon the ground, and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. Also there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and saw that he was terrified, and said to him, Behold, your servant woman has listened to your voice, and I have taken my life in my hand, and has, have listened to your words which you spoke to me. So now also please listen to the voice of your servant woman. And let me set a piece of bread before you, that you may eat and have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. However, his servants together with the woman urged him, and he listened to them. So he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. And the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly sacrificed it, and she took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread from it. And she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. All right. And now we will be going to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 8. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks that he has known anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he has been known by him. Therefore, concerning the, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We neither lack if we do not eat, nor abound if we do eat. But see to it that this authority of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, who have knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, 
conscience, if he is weak, be built up to eat things sacrificed to idols. For though you're, for, for through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And in that way, by sinning against the brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again ever, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. And now, 1 Corinthians 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have authority to eat and drink? Do we not have authority to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have authority to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not consume the fruit of it? Or who shepherds a flock and does not consume the milk of the flock? Am I speaking these things according to human judgment? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. Is God merely concerned about oxen? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this authority over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this authority, but we endure all things, so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred service services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have anyone make my, bo make my boast an empty one. For if I proclaim the gospel... I have nothing to boast, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I proclaim the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made a, myself a slave to all so that I may win more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not by being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. So I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. 
Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. All right, and now we're going to read from the book of Ezekiel. We're going to read Ezekiel 7, and or 6 and 7, excuse me. So Ezekiel 6. And the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, Mountains of Israel, hear the word of Lord Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be broken, and I will make your slain fall in front of your idols. I will also put the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. In all your places of habitation, cities will become waste, and the high places will be desolate, that your altars may become waste and desolate, your idols may be broken and cease, your incense altars may be cut in pieces, and your works may be blotted out. The slain will fall among you, and you will know that I am Yahweh. However, I will leave a remnant, for you will have those who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the lands. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations, to which they will be carried captive, how I have been broken over their adulterous hearts which turned away from me, and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols. And they will loathe themselves to their own faces for the evils which they have done for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. I have not said in vain that I would do this calamitous evil against them. Thus says Lord Yahweh, Strike your hands together, stamp your foot, and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, which will fall by the sword, by the famine, and by the plague. He who is far off will die by the plague, and he who is near will fall by the sword, and he who remains and is besieged will die by the famine. Thus will I spend my wrath on them. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, when their slain are among their idols all around their altars, on every high hill, on all the tops of the mountains, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, the places where they offered a soothing aroma to all their idols. So throughout all their habitations, I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and desecrated than the wilderness towards Dibla. Thus they will know that I am Yahweh. And Ezekiel 7 Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Now as for you, son of man, thus says Lord Yahweh to the land of Israel, An end, the end is coming on the four corners of the earth. Now the end is upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways, and put all your abominations upon you. For my eye will have no, no pity on you, nor will I spare you. But I will put your ways upon you, and your abominations will be among you. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh, A calamitous evil, a unique calamitous evil, behold, it is coming. An end has come, the end has come. It has awakened against you, behold, it is coming. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitant of the land. The time has come, the day is near confusion, rather than joyful shouting on the mountains. 
Now it is near when I will pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger, spend my anger against you and judge you according to your ways and put on you all your abominations. My eye will show no pity, nor will I spare. I will give to you according to your ways while your abominations are among you. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, do the striking. Behold the day, behold it is coming. Your doom has gone forth. The rod has blossomed, arrogance has bubbled. Violence has grown into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, none of their multitude, none of their moaning, nor anything imminent among them. The time has come, the day has arrived. Let not the buyer be glad, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is against all their multitude. Indeed, the seller will not return to himself. What he sold as long as they both live, for the vision regarding all their multitude will not return empty, nor will any of them strengthen his life by his iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but no one is going to the battle, for my wrath is against all their multitude. The sword is outside, and the plague and the famine are inside. He who is in the field will die by the sword. Famine and the plague will also devour those in the city. Even when their survivors escape, they will be on the mountains, like doves of the valley, all of them moaning, each over his own iniquity. All hands will hang limp, and all kneels will, knees will become like water. They will gird themselves with sackcloth, and horror will cover them, and shame will be on all faces, and baldness on all their heads. They will throw their, their silver into the streets, and their gold will become an impure thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the fury of Yahweh. They cannot satisfy their soul, nor can they fill their stomachs. For their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. They transformed the beauty of his ornaments into pride, and they made the images of their abominations and their detestable things with it. Therefore I will make it an impure thing to them. I will give it into the hands of the foreigners as plunder, and to the wicked of the earth as spoil and they will profane it. I will also turn my face from them, and they will profane my secret place. Then robbers will enter and profane it. Make the chain, for the land is full of judgments that promote bloodshed, and the city is full of violence. Therefore I will bring the most evil of the nations, and they will possess their houses. I will also make the pride of the strong ones cease, and their holy places will be profaned. Anguish has come, and they will seek peace, but there will be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and report will be added to report. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will be lost from the priest and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with, clothed with desolation, and the hands of the people of the land will be dismayed. According to their way, I will deal with them, and by their judgments I will judge them, and they will know that I am Yahweh. And now the Psalms, Psalm 44 and 45. So I'll start with Psalm 44. O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have recounted to us the work that you did in their day, in the days of old. You with your own hands dispossessed the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples. Then you cast them out. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command salvation for Jacob. Though you we, through you we will push back our adversaries. 
Through your name we will tread down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, and my sword will not save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor, and do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have plundered us for themselves. You give us a sheep to be eaten, and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for no amount, and you have not profited from their price. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a mockery and a derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my dishonor is before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you, and we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps deviated from your path. Yet you have crushed us in a place of jackals, and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had not forgot, or if we had forgotten the name of our God, or spread our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Psalm 45 My heart overflows with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful scribe. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty, and in your majesty ride on victoriously. For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness, let your right hand teach you you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness in the... A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. All your garments are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of ivory palaces stringed instruments have made you glad. King's daughters are among your noble ladies. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter. Give attention and uncline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Then the king will desire your beauty, because he is your lord. Bow down to him. The daughter of Tyre will come with a present. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within her chamber. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be led to the king in embroidered work. The virgins, her companions who follow her, will be brought to you. They will be led forth with gladness and rejoicing. They will enter into the king's palace. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall set them up as princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered 
from generation to every generation. Therefore, the peoples will give you thanks forever and ever. Amen. And that's the end of our reading for uh, this weekend. Oh, excuse me. I got a little dry there. Um, and again, I, I want to state again, um, the whole pur- my whole purpose for doing this um, is, is to help. I know, I realize for a lot of folks, it, it's, it can be very, very hard to find the time to sit down and read. Um, and I know that being able, though, though I find time to read not as much as I want to, um, I do spend a good bit of time while I'm working and such. Um, and even while I was driving into church and back today, listening to podcasts from, from great men of God to continually have the word of God before me. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping this will do. Again, this has nothing to do with it, get, getting any kind of fame or, or, or honor or anything else for myself. Um, this is all about being able to keep the word of God in, in, in front of the people of this world, in front of anybody that would listen, um, in, in hopes that it would help them walk a godly walk. And that for those that are unsaved, it, it would truly help to bring them to a saving faith in Christ. Again, there's no man that can ever save anybody. Um, and from our readings today, it, 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 it the, the readings today should have slammed at home more than anything else does. The fact is 10 out of 10 people die and 10 out of 10 people will face judgment and face eternal life. The difference is where you end up in that eternal life. And there is no amount of work. You notice in the Psalm, the Psalmist, when he's talking about, he doesn't turn to his sword or his bow to deliver him. He keeps turning to God to deliver him. But you saw in Ezekiel, the wrath of God. And we have to understand it is so quick and easy in our world today that people want to turn around and and talk about this mean, nasty old God. The, the, The fact is, he is just and the justifier. He is just. And the fact is, you know, people go, well, well, well why me? Why? I haven't done it. You know, I'm, I'm only human. And I've always loved R.C. Sproul's response when people start, start saying, well, why would God choose this person and not that person to dealing with the, the, the doctrine of election? And I'm not trying to get into all that because that's a very long discussion, um, which maybe I'll... I'll do sometime way down the road and hopefully with somebody else. But (laughs) R.C. Sproul's response is, what is wrong with you people? You're asking the wrong question. The question is, why should God save anybody? From birth, we are sinners. From birth, we deserve death. From birth, we deserve hell. That's fact whether you like it or not, because the fact is, and, and I was one of these people till I came to a saving faith. We want to run around and compare ourselves to everybody else around us. Go, well, I'm nicer than that person. I'm nicer. And I do better than that person, that better than that person. And I'm not as bad as that person, that person, that person. Um, you're comparing yourself to the wrong comparison. What we have to compare ourselves to is to God. What we have to compare ourselves to, to is the sinless life of Jesus Christ. And we will never measure up to that. There is no amount of that. Thus the psalmist, not turning to his own, his own devices, but turning to God for that salvation. I mean, that, that right there was a picture of our salvation. 
through the death and resurrection of Christ, through the sinless life he led to drape us in that righteousness and the death and his resurrection that paid for the sins we committed. That's how God is just in the justifier. He's just in that the punishment falls for our sins, but it doesn't fall on you or me. It falls on Jesus Christ. For those of us who are saved, it falls on Jesus Christ, not on us. We get draped in his righteousness, and therefore, when we stand before God, Jesus goes, this is one of mine, fathers, Father, and we're able to stand holy and blameless before him, as the book of Ephesians speaks of. We're allowed to, able to stand holy and blameless before him through nothing we've done, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by faith you are saved, through grace you are saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves. Thus, no one can boast. We're, it's not of ourselves. But we've got to stay in this word. We've got, we've got to, I would beg you, if you're not saved, please stay in the word of God. Please stay in prayer. Please beg him to send the Holy Spirit to you so that the Holy Spirit can do a regenerating work within you and can swap out that heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And can bring you to a saving faith in Christ. Because the fact is, no matter what this world tries to tell you, and no matter what kind of garbage it tries to shovel at you, there is only one way to salvation, and only one way to eternal life. And, and that's an eternal life in heaven, an eternal life with God, an eternal life with Christ. Because otherwise, you're going to have an eternal life, and it's going to be an, internal, an eternal life of hell in hell, facing the wrath of God. And that should be the most terrifying thing for all humans, is to have to face the wrath of God on their own without Jesus Christ as an advocate. Because he is our advocate. He is the advocate of those who come to a saving faith in Christ. And while we can't save ourselves... There's no amount of work we can do. And while no human can save you, so there's nothing I can say here and there's nothing even in the readings I do that is going to save you. At the same time, it, it is my hope and prayer that by your exposure to the word, through this or some other means, that, that through somebody, the exposure is enough and it hits the right spots that you'll be down on your knees and begging God to forgive you, begging God to send the Holy Spirit to do a regenerating work in you so that you would truly repent and mortify your sins, bring your sins and place them at the foot of the cross where they belong, all of them, and turn from them in repentance. Make that 180 degree turn and walk away from them and leave them there and have a new life. Not go, oh, I'm saved and stay in the same life. No, you're not. I am sorry if your fruits are the exact same as they were before you claim to have been saved, before you claim to have professed to be a believer. While I'm, I'm, while I can't turn around and I don't know your heart, God does, is the only one who does. That that fruit tends to indicate somebody that's not saved. And I would beg you to be saved. I, I would be wrong not to. It'd be like me standing beside a railroad track with you standing on it and the train coming and me going, yeah, everything's okay. I'm sorry if this offends you, but I'm not sorry that I'm saying what I'm saying. I hope it offends you enough that you'll get in the word yourself, that you'll get on your knees in prayer 
and that God would do a great work in you and bring you to a saving faith in Christ. Because believe me, I come from that point. I came to salvation very late in life thinking I was a good person and realizing what a horrible wretch I was and would still be outside of the grace of God. And I would pray that you would no longer be there because that's where my hope and my confidence comes from. In the world we are in right now, the Sodom of Go and Gomorrah that the United States has become, how horrific it is, that the sovereignty of God and the fact that he has ordained all of this and whatever he's ordained for the, for the true Christian, for somebody who's truly saved, that whatever happens to us in life, or any trials, tribulations, whatever goes on around us, it is for our good and his glory. It is for the shaping and the refining of us to make us those true, true witnesses of Christ that this world needs, that it needs, it should see to bring God all the glory. Because truthfully, out of all creation, God, the creator, not the creation, is the only one deserving of the glory. I hope tonight's broadcast has helped you, um, has edified you, has equipped you, has, has, has made you think, um, maybe even offended you, but if it offended you, but makes you think then I've done what I was supposed to let's pray. Gracious heavenly father, thank you so much for giving me the time and allowing me giving, give, allowing me to live and allowing me to be able to sit down and do these broadcasts. Lord, I would hope that it, they would even touch one person, not for anything for me, but it would truly make them turn to you and hit their knees and beg your forgiveness. And Lord, I would pray that in the doing these broadcasts and in the staying in your word, that I would truly model what you've proclaimed that we should be. In your name we pray, amen. I hope you have a good Labor Day tomorrow, at least in the U.S. Tomorrow is Labor Day, and I hope you have a good, solid Labor Day. I have a feeling mine's going to be very, very busy, um, and that's okay. I'm okay with that, though I have it off work. I've got more than enough things to do around the house. Um, but I hope you have a wonderful one and I hope you get to enjoy it with your family. Um, and, uh, I love how my, my buddy Gene says it, do the things you ought to do and don't do the things you ought not to do. Um, I think it makes a great point. He is wonderful. And again, I would push you to go listen to squirrel chatter. They are wonderful. Um, and honestly, whatever you do, whatever you do tomorrow, do it for the glory of God. Thanks for listening. May God bless you.